So today we begin a journey over these next eight weeks <clears throat> where we do something that I have never really uh, done here especially, and that is we're joining other churches around the country. And why would we do that? Why are we doing that? It's our hope and our prayer, and we felt even on the staff that it was part of God's leading, that we restore a high view of God. That at the crux of so many issues, whether whatever generation that you could think of inside of our challenges is that we would have a high view of God and see him for who he really is. Because we feel like in this pluralistic culture, rapidly changing world, that we need to know the real God. W.A. Tozer says it like this, and that is this, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. I love that quote. What you think about in your mind when you think about God is really the most important thing about you. And the reason is because that forms and shapes your whole worldview. He also said, by a secret law of the soul, whatever your mental image is, you will gravitate towards it. And so it's important that we as people, no matter how you pray or how it is that you relate to others, how you perceive the future, every relationship and your working, whatever it is, it's how you perceive God. And so part of the problem is many of us have a distorted view of God. What is your mental image of God? What is it when you think about God? Now, some people think of God as a genie. And, you know, like he's a genie. Like I do a few things, I rub the lamp and then God shows up and, and then he's supposed to do what I ask him to do. Uh, some people might think of him as a first responder and that he lives far from you, but when trouble comes, you pick up the phone and you expect him to come near to you. Some people might think of him, even many uh, agnostics or atheists feel this way, and that he's a tormentor. In other words, uh, they attribute the evil of the world to God and that they ask questions like this. Uh, if God is a God of love, why are there starving kids in Africa? Some people think of God as mental image of like a taskmaster. Uh, this person means well, but always seems to find themselves burnt out and under heavy condemnation. And they see God sort of as a sheriff that, you know, it's always just never measuring up. And many people think of God as a friend a friend of God because they walk with God. For some people, it might even be a picture of a grandma uh, who brings me desserts all the time and I get whatever I want. Um, and here's the issue. There's no sense of this holiness of God. There's no sense that God is holy and righteous 
He has an approachable holiness. And it's good to see him as loving and kind, of course, but he is also holy. He has a consuming fire. And so today I, I wanna give you really what is an invitation of a lifetime. And I, I gave you these notes. These next few weeks will be uh, different because you'll see there are so many no, notes and maybe you're not used to that. But part of that is for you to be able to take this home. And some of you are gonna meet with small groups and some of you in student ministry, this will be a good thing for you. But I want you to follow along if you'd like to. But most important journey you will ever make in your life is to pause and say, God, I want to see you as you really are. I wanna know the real God, not the God that I have made up in my mind or my own perceptions or that the culture has told me about, but I wanna know the real God. The real God is the God of the Bible. And how God longs for us to see him the way he really is. That's God's heart too. And I pray it's your heart that you would know God for who he really is. But here's some problems. We have three common mistakes that keep us so many times that, that all of us make when we think about God. When we think about God so many times, I think about in my life, I think of it the way I was brought up and all the pictures that were taught to me. And listen, when I think about knowing the real God, I'm not talking to you about knowing God the way you would look in Wikipedia and find out the facts about him, like you would a movie star or a president or something like that. I'm talking about intimately knowing God in an intimate, personal relationship. And there are three things that kind of keep us from that. Uh, the, the three things are, the, uh, are uh, that you need to know that this happens. Uh, and the first one is this, God is not like you. Now I know that might be hard for you because you're like, hey, Johnny, isn't, aren't we made in God's image? Yes, we are made in the image of God but God is not like us. In other words, here's what, here's what, let me tell you. I grew up uh, and I've talked about Coach Craycraft a lot. You know, Coach Craycraft was a football and a basketball coach to me, mostly football. And uh, he had a Sunday school class and he was, he was uh, just a great guy, just very wise, very smart. And it seemed like he had a very balanced life. And so for me, kind of, sometimes I would look at God and be like, okay, so I make God like a hundred times better than Coach Craycraft. And that's who God is. Or I was like, oh yeah, there was a little lady named Kathleen Carpenter who made angel food cake for all the shut-ins every week and would go around. And she had lost her husband many years prior. And she was so wonderful and compassionate, so nice to me in middle school. So God's like a hundred times or a million times more powerful than Mrs. Carpenter, but that's who God is. But here's the thing, because uh, that's how we do it. God is holy. God is 
holy. And, and you know what that means, God, that, that means that he is separate, that he is completely distinct. That, and here's the thing, I, I had a friend named Charles Cooper many years ago who lived in Chicago. And he, he said, Johnny, if I only had one chapter in the Bible, if I was a desert, on a deserted island, I would only go with Isaiah 40. And I was like, oh, that's not even in the New Testament. What's wrong with you? But one of the things he says is it, it paints an incredible picture of who God really is. Isaiah 40, verse 25. To whom then will, we li- will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He is completely different. And and listen, and that's helpful. It's helpful. And here's why. When you think about God, you remember that, like for example, in the, Old Testament, when God gives the children of Israel the law, he says he will have no gods. There there will be no gods and you'll have no graven images. There's no pictures. There's no images. Nothing can reduce him. Another favorite passage of scripture is Romans 11. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? No one. Or who has, the, has first given to him that he, it might be paid back to him again? No one. And then in verse 36, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever, amen. Have you ever really listened to that? Everything in all the world is from him and through him and to him and to him be glory. Because here's the great, and here's the second thing. Here's the great temptation for us. And the second is related to what I'm talking about. Left to ourselves, we tend to reduce God to manageable terms. That's what we do. And so there are ancient religions many times, including Isaiah, people would make these images of stars or bears or lions or some other animal for a God. Much of the world does this and lives under this. Uh, Many people especially on the continent of Asia. And so all over the world, you know, and sometimes we look at that in America, we're like, man, that is just, I don't get that. You're bowing down before these idols. I don't get it. 
but it was also very common in the Old and New Testament. The prophet Isaiah, he said, he reproved his people saying, you worship gods that you have made yourselves. They have ears and they can't hear. They have hands, but they can't feel. They have feet, but they can't walk. Even the children of Israel, and we look at them and we just like, how we cannot understand this. Do you remember the children of Israel who had been enslaved for 400 years? They had been enslaved. And now Moses, God sent Moses to Pharaoh. They see the power of God and the gods of Egypt are falling one by one and the 10 plagues. And finally, the great Passover, when the angel of death came, they see it to the point where the Egyptians are like, get out of here and you can take all our stuff with you. And they go and they see it and then they're backed up. Pharaoh changes his mind. They're like, they see the parting of the Red Sea and they walk through on dry land and they see this and they're like, This is amazing. They go to Mount Sinai and God says, meet me at the mountain. They, he says, get ready. They all get ready and they start hearing God's voice and they're like, okay, that's enough. Uh, Moses, why don't you just go on up there by yourself, please? He goes up and no more did he get up, up on top of that mountain. And a couple of days went by And they're like, hey man, what happened to Moses? What happened? And they told Aaron, would you please fashion a God so that we could worship him? And they bowed down and did every kind of religious, immoral thing you can do. And the people rose early and they sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterwards they sat down and ate, drank and they indulged in every kind of revelry. And I know you're sitting there, like maybe I do even in the, for the New Testament, but you're sitting there going, how could these people do this? They saw God do all this stuff. How in the world could they experience God like this? How in the world could they experience him, see all these miracles, the kinds of power, actually hear his voice, see the earth shake, and then demand to have something that they could see with their eyes. And here's what I'm telling you, it's human nature. It's human nature. I mean, we tend to go, even in the New Testament, man, these people are nuts. How could they deny the Lord? They walked with him for three years. How could they do that? I wanna tell you, it's human nature. And there are two big idols, two big idols that I think, well, there's several. I mean, I could sit here, the things I used to talk about, the three, the two things I used to talk about for students was sports and entertainment. Those are idols in our culture. I wanna add one other thing now, and this sounds awful, but the great temptation amongst especially a younger generation, and I wanna tell you, a lot of us adults is self-promotion. And that's because social media wasn't even part of what we were doing 15 years ago. It's a temptation, it's an idol, what people think. I want more likes, I want more likes. But here's the thing that I think, the reason that we wanna reduce God into manageable terms, and that's this. 
We want happiness and self-fulfillment. So many times we want what we want and we want everything to work out for ourselves and we just really struggle. And if things don't work out for me, then we kind of adjust what we believe and then we make it work for ourselves. And the second one is sort of a salad bar approach to Christianity. The way we see um, God, uh, even in churches in America, in our day, for example, there are 10 commandments. And so in our day, we tend to just talk about, you know, how good God is and everything. But then we kind of, you know, this whole thing of adultery or sexual purity, I think that stuff's old fashioned. Uh, that was probably the community at the time. You don't really understand. It doesn't apply for today. And we looked at the Bible selectively. And so what we do is we just kind of take what we like. It's like a buffet and you know, there's different kinds of Christians. And the truth is what happens is slowly, 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 it just begins. We make a God and create a God that's more manageable and we reduce God down to more manageable terms slowly. I want to, I want to be a part of a generation who preaches boldly, but also I don't preach like self-help. You come here, it's power, positive thinking and everything. But I really, we really do see God for who he is and we understand what it is to walk with God. So what we wanna do is pause and say, okay, Lord, you are not like me. You're holy, separate, you're glorious. Um, I know that I will reduce you to manageable terms, but here's the third thing. God, only God, God can only be known as he reveals himself to us. It is not our way that we kind of figure him out that somehow that our faith is dependent on what we do. It's God revealing himself to us. And here's the three ways that he does this. Here's three ways that God reveals himself. Now, I've always talked to you about how God speaks to us and that's not this. This is the first way that God really reveals himself. And this is what theologians would call general revelation. And that is that God reveals himself to us in nature. Psalm 19, verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. My wife is better at this than me. She is more prone to slow down and see a sunset. She is more likely to pause and notice a beautiful day. And the truth is, many of you, and I've talked to many of you, you are so... God is glorified so much when you go outside and you see the beauty of nature. You can't deny it. And it's also the awe, the awe struck when you sit at the water's edge and you see the mighty works of God, whether you go to mountains or across cornfields or a beautiful fall day at Turkey Run, no matter what it is, you see 
the fingerprints of God. And you see that God is showing us he is awesome and powerful. Here's the second thing. The second way he reveals himself is through his word. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of the world. That the word of God has re- is revealed to us. Hebrews 1 says this, in times past, God has spoken to us through the prophets and the apostles. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, who is the very image of God, of the father. The word here is Jesus is the exact image. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ. Colossians 2.9 says, see, if you really want to know what God is like, It's Jesus. I want you to know that today. And I I just wanna challenge you today with this question. What does it look like to trust God in this situation? So in other words, for you to put your faith in Jesus, in the word, not Lord, come and fix this for me, but to trust in him. You can trust the word because you have seen my word. It is always faithful. It is Jesus. And then the third way that he reveals himself is Jesus, his son. I am a disciple. What am I thinking? I'm not sure about this guy, but whatever he says, you can trust it. And that's true for us. No man has seen God at any time, but now we have seen Jesus. And Jesus, get to know Jesus and you get to know God. And so I wanna challenge you today to do that. So here's the big question. What must I do? What must I do to see the real God as he is? And here's the answer to that. What do I have to do to, to really see God and to see him as he is? And here's the answer. Seek him, seek him. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He is personal, by the way. He's not just the God force or whatever. He is personal. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then he says, then You will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so I would just encourage you to seek him. Seek him and we find him when we go outside and see him in nature. We see him in the word of God He has not left it. You are very fortunate in that you can look in the Bible now and see the very revelation of God. This is God's word. He is this, the real God is found in this book and he is experienced because of Jesus Christ. And so today I wanna challenge you. 
Now, you also have in your notes there at the very end, this passage from Proverbs chapter two. And if you look at that, how is it that you seek him? How do you seek God? So here is from Solomon, what he says in Proverbs two, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. So you kind of put a note right there. There is an invitation to experience God's word. So how is it that we experience God? You got to get into God's word. And then he says in Proverbs 2, which I printed out. So right there on, right where he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments, I want you to put God's word right beside that. And then he says, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. So underline that right there and beside it, put, I wanna have a teachable attitude. I wanna be taught. I want to learn about what God is doing and who he is. Then you go on down and it says, verse three, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. And you see right there, there is passionate prayer. Do you see that? For if you cry for discernment, in other words, if you honestly yearn for that, lift your voice for understanding. In other words, pray passionately. Then in the fourth thing, verse four, as silver and search for her, as for hidden treasure, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. And I wanna challenge you. If you wanna experience and know the real God, then I would challenge you to look to discover. My pastor had a great, he was a underliner and he would say so many times, so many of us think the underlining and putting a little thing beside the passage, then that so all we learn, but one of the things I want to do is when I have a part of my Bible that's not underlined, I look in there, listen, to discover what God is saying. And I just wanna encourage you to do that. Be a discoverer. Be a person who discovers more about God. If you wanna know the real God, if you wanna see how, part of that is discovering. And then lastly, you see that where it says in verse four, if you seek her as silver, there is a sense, write the word priority. Make God a priority in your life. And so we can have an honest view of God. Now I put, and everybody, I want you to ask you to get out your bulletin and get out these notes and look on the last page. I'm going to get, I gave this to everybody here so that you, would kind of be able to do a self-evaluation. And I want you to do this. And if you, I want, I'd love for you to think about it right now, but I'd really like to ask you um, to revisit this in the next few days, if you don't do it right now. And ask yourself where you are with these four statements. And there are four areas of self-evaluation on here. You see there's one, two, three, four. Those who really know God have a great energy for God. Have you ever noticed that? People who really know God, they have an energy to know God. 
Then secondly, those who really know God have great thoughts about God. In other words, there's something behind that and they know the word. How are you doing in that? How would you score yourself? Those who really know God have great boldness for God. For you to think about that and grade yourself, high boldness or low boldness, vague knowledge or clear knowledge about God. Those who really know God have great contentment in God. So how are you doing in that area? Is it low contentment? you know, vague knowledge, or is it high contentment, clear knowledge? And I just wanna encourage you to evaluate your current knowledge of God and then meditate on that for a couple of minutes as you pray this week. And then pray, Lord, please give me more energy and give me, Lord, more clarity in my thought life. And Lord, make me bold and content to experience the real God, to seek after him. I pray today that we will be a people. It says, like I prayed when we were, that when we come into this place, listen, as we come into this place, we expect to meet the real God. That's why many of you love coming here is because you know this is your time to meet with God. And we give him glory. And we want to see him for who he is truthfully. But listen, I want us to be a people who when we leave, know the real God. That Monday through Saturday, that we know him and that we have a hunger and a passion to see him glorified. And I pray that you know that when we leave this place, that God is with you and that you know the real God, that you know who he is, you've settled that. And I pray, listen, that you don't see just church as a place where you come and get to know the real God, but that you seek God in your everyday life, that you'll have the energy and that you'll have the thought, that you'll think about him more than just on Sunday morning, that you'll also have the boldness to really push beyond even some of your own comfort and just say, Lord, I wanna know you more and walk with the real God. And also, I pray that we will be a people who will really seek after the real God. Now, over the next seven weeks, we're gonna talk about the different attributes of God, seven different attributes. And I'm gonna challenge us to continually have that high view of God. Folks, in our culture, we have a distorted view. We have a distorted view. We sort of think of God as like just a God of our own choosing. And I pray we'll be a people who are radically changed and that we we see him for who he is and that we walk before him and that we seek him. That's important by faith. And he reveals himself and you, you and I are, import, are so thankful we live in a day where we can trust, we can see the real God because we have seen Jesus. So seek him 
this week, the real God. Seek after him as you think about that and look at those things, passionate prayer, knowing the word. Let's grow towards seeking him. And I pray that he will help you turn over a new leaf, that some of the walls that you have up in your life, some of this lack of knowledge, some of this lack of clarity, some of this lack of energy, that you will press beyond that to know who the real God, the God of the Bible is. Father, what's impossible with me is possible with you. Lord, what's impossible on our own is always possible for you. So now, Lord, I pray that you would help us by the truth of your word, be guided. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, be empowered. Lord, by your guidance, by your sheer will, that we would join you in what you're doing. Help us, Lord. Help us. Lord, forgive us for going our own way. Help us, Father, to be a people that really do know the real God and that we know you because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us, Lord, to grow, to mature, and wake us up, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would do that with every person here, all of us, Lord, that we would know you more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I pray that you will seek the Lord this week. God bless you and have a great week.